Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. This week, I am sharing a conversation with Mahogany Amijer from November. So we spoke about her teaching and her art making. And this is a little bit different from my usual conversations because Mahogany is actually a musician. So she runs an organization called Responsible Artistry that works in both music and visual art, as well as the culinary arts, which we get into a little bit. But her background is in music. So Mahogany talked about how she and her husband started Responsible Artistry with a studio in their closet where they help teens produce music. They have grown this organization tremendously, always working together as a team. I loved how she talked about home and food and sitting at the feet of the elders and listening and remembering. Ah, Her music is so moving. Go listen to it and buy her work. And I love that we get to, she allowed me to include a few clips of some of her songs. So in this episode, you will hear just a little peek at her music. I found this quote from Dr. Chike Akua talking about one of the songs that Andre, her husband, and Mahogany wrote. So he said, Chike Akua said, A week ago, my friends Andre and Mahogany, a soulful power couple, sent me 1619 and asked for my thoughts about it. I've yet to find adequate words to express its profundity and pride that 1619 has stirred inside me for a week straight. This is more than a song. It's a serenade to our ancestors, a soliloquy of silenced, lost souls, and serenity finally found in a psalm of freedom. 1619 is haunting, yet hopeful. Lyrically and sonically, the sound of black souls singing Ase. And then he goes on to say, Teachers, there are so many lessons that can be taught from this song. It speaks to the transitions that we've gone through as a people and how slavery interrupted our sovereignty. But it also speaks to our eminent and enduring victory. Listen carefully to the words. So that's one of the songs, 1619, that Mahogany will speak about in this episode, and we'll share a little clip, but she has the whole song available to hear on YouTube. Mahogany, a South Carolina native and East Coast-based artist blending a style of Southern soul, funk, jazz, blues, and hip-hop with African and Caribbean influence, deemed funky organic soul, is a renowned vocalist, recording artist, songwriter, and youth educator mentor with national credits to her name. With over 28 years of experience in her field, she evolves as a consummate personality. She has amassed a growing fan base and continually earns respect from her peers and audience. 
Supporters appreciate the sultry, earthy, authentic vocal range spanning more than four octaves and her commanding a cappella stage presence. She has performed for audiences of 20,000 plus with music heard in over 24 countries. Mahogany has also completed many residencies and commissions, received grants and awards, and is a member of the National Association of Black Female Executives in Music and Entertainment. As a teaching artist, Mahogany conducts music workshops and camps on songwriting, song structure, stage presence, confidence, and vocal production. Let's hear from her. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. So I am talking with Mahogany Amajir, and I'm so excited to hear from her. And this is a little bit different because Mahogany is a musician who also runs an incredible organization that teaches music and visual arts. So we'll hear about that. But I'm excited to have a musician on and get to share a little bit of your music with our audience. So I always like to start with a little bit of background. Could you kind of walk us through your story? How did you become an artist and how did you become an educator as well? Cool. Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on your platform. Yeah. I had been following you on Instagram for some time and I was like, I don't see any musicians on here, but I'm going to reach out anyway. (laughs) Well, Uh, I'm so glad you did. Yes. So so thank you for that. So my story, well, I come from a very uh, creative and talented family. So everyone is not a music artist, but a lot of entrepreneurs and just, you know, people that are just creative by nature. Mm-hmm. And I started to know that I could sing, I guess, middle school, but didn't really take it mm-hmm. serious until after high school and just started singing. And, and this was in, I grew up and was born in Somerton, South Carolina, but my mm-hmm. music career started in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, yes. And so I just kind of started singing everywhere. Um, there was a boat down on the riverfront in Savannah called the Captain Sam Boat. And so that was one of the first places I would say I actually performed. And that was in 1991. So wow. yeah, the 90s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really when I just started pretty much doing everything, performing, meeting, you know, the, the musicians in the area and just performing with bands, you know, weddings, clubs, festivals, pretty much doing everything. So Savannah was really my training ground for the beginning of mm-hmm. my career. So that's mm-hmm. that's how it started. Amazing. And then how did you end up starting Responsible Artistry? So Responsible Artistry came along after I met my husband. Um, I met my husband in mm-hmm. 2001 and we started making music together, you know, pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> Uh, And uh, just kind of along the way, we, you know, realized that we wanted to do things a little different. And um, so we we didn't call it responsible artistry in the beginning. We just we made conscious choices of, you know, like what organizations.
organizations, you know, I would partner with when I, Mm -hmm. you know, was an artist on their roster and just organizations in the community, you know, who we volunteered with. And at that time we were living in DC because my husband is from DC. So, you know, like uh, World Day and the Anacostia River, you know, we would partner with local organizations and, and, you know, go clean up by the river and, you know, feed the Mm -hmm. homeless. And so it just, it, it got started doing that. And then we actually gave it a name years later. It started out as a responsible artistry campaign. And then when we really decided that, okay, we want to really do this as a nonprofit and, you know, we became incorporated, you know, years later, but that's how it actually Mm. started. Yeah. So it was more of a movement than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so were you doing those volunteer activities with, were you like bringing kids along, bringing students along? Yes. So actually my husband's cousin, she had a nonprofit called Harriet's Girls. And so we started working with them, you know, just doing things in the community once a month, you know, they would do a community project or some kind of activity. And then Mm -hmm. we started working with them as far as music. We, Mm -hmm. you know, helped them write a song like they had a theme song for the organization. And in our, yeah, in our apartment at the time, we put a studio in the closet. So the girls came over and actually recorded on the song with my husband and, you know, worked on different, different parts of the recording process. And uh, so that's how we got started working with kids and music. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was through that organization that you guys really started teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love that picture of like the studio in the closet, <laughs> making it work in whatever space you have. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I'm curious also how that's grown, um, like how your space has grown, how you've you've moved and how the organization has grown. It has. It's been quite um, an interesting an amazing journey. And you know what, until mm-hmm. I said that just now, I didn't realize we started in that closet, but we did. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then once we, cause we're in Beaufort, South Carolina now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we actually became a nonprofit and incorporated in the state of South Carolina officially in 2017. And then we partnered, um, you know, with local organizations and, you know, sometimes we would use their building, you know, their space, And Mm -hmm. we did that up until actually this year, the pandemic hit. And so, you know, we didn't, Mm -hmm. the campus had closed down because we were on a campus, Mm -hmm. the Technical College of the Lowcountry. So the campus closed down. So, you know, we were kind of in limbo because it wasn't our building or our space. Right. So the opportunity came for us to have our own space in the midst of the pandemic in uh, Mm. Walterboro, South Carolina. And uh, if you're familiar with the movie Radio um, with Cuba Gooding. uh, Uh, I have to look it up. Yeah. Radio. Uh, Cuba Gooding and uh, Alfred Woodard star in this movie. And uh, and it's about a school in South Carolina and radio was um, a disabled um, person. And he was mm. in high school, but, you know, much older than, you know, the kids in high school. And so they just kind of, mm. uh, because it was a small town, you know, they let him be a part of the football team. And, but his name was Radio because he loved music and he would always walk around, you know, with yeah. the old school boombox. And then he would he would yeah. take take the radios <laughs> apart and put them back together. But the building that our new location is in, it was is where they filmed some of the movie radio. Oh, cool! Yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah. And actually the room that we're in is in the movie. It's one of the classroom scenes. So it was just kind of a full circle moment that the movie radio was filmed, you know, in this building and, you know, we're musicians and, you know, it's music and yeah. uh, yeah, So... That's so cool. So that that is where we are now. Yeah. Awesome. And during the pandemic now, are you, is everything virtual or are you also still doing like in-person, socially distant classes or anything? At the time that the pandemic hit, we had actually just got a six-month artist residency mm-hmm. at uh, an elementary school in my hometown of South Carolina. And so oh, cool. we were able to do January, February, and I think March mm-hmm. is when the pandemic hit. And yeah. so that shut down the artist residency. And so we just, mm-hmm. we, we were doing virtual with most, some of the schools that we were doing artist residencies with. So we were already mm-hmm. doing that. But it wasn't our Mm -hmm. own curriculum. It wasn't our program. It was always, you know, something we were doing with the school. So we decided to just, you know, step back and get our curriculum in order and, you know, really Mm -hmm. put some thought and planning into, you know, our online program. So that's what we've been doing. We've been really just getting it together to release next year. Yeah. And then the plan for that is to release it and be able to connect with schools and organizations yeah. like all over. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now we were able to, uh, I did an artist residency in Belize last year. Oh, wow. And so mm-hmm. uh, we were able to actually work with some of the music students. Um, they have a, a choir with the Belize mm-hmm. Youth Department. So we, we were doing virtual with them um, last year. And so Mm-hmm. We will definitely be international uh, once we, you know, get started back and and you know get this thing restarted again. So we're excited about that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, knowing that, what kind of tips do you have for all of us trying to do this virtually and and make it work? Like, you know, I feel like it, the the quality is very different. Yeah, it is. Not having that in-person connection? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, what tips would you have? What do you feel like works for you guys? Because I'm, and, 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 and I'm thinking in a perspective of already having built relationships with people. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and already having, you know, being familiar with the students. So it, it will be obviously mm-hmm. very different when you're just meeting virtually. <laughs> Right, right. But I think like with us, with the students that we were already working with virtually, we had and, you know, we're the type of teaching artists that, of course, the kids think we're cool because when we, you know, we walk in the classroom and and we, you know, we've got jeans on or sneakers and, you know, so we're very hip to them. So. Yeah, that kind of that kind (laughs) of eases, you know, the tension, you know, and 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 Mm -hmm. it leads to and because it's music, you know, it's an easy segue into having conversations with them and, you know, also keeping their attention. And so Mm -hmm. for us, it has been pretty smooth, you know, because music and the arts are what we do and we're able to do it as artists and not as how, how can I say this? Not as traditional teachers, right, in, in the, right? you know, in the classroom, you know, meaning we, you know, have not gone to four year college or eight years and, and gotten a degree to be a teacher. You know, we've actually been mm-hmm. artists and just naturally transitioned into what we were doing, you know, with these nonprofits and, you know, in our homes, in our closet. <laughs> and, 
Yeah. You know, and being invited into the classroom. And so it was a really natural transition. But I think also one of the key things is that we just absolutely love what we do. And Mm -hmm. also because we're a husband and wife team, you know, where one is not proficient in something, the other one is. So there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always somebody there, you know, to, to help you get the shot, you know. So yeah, teamwork is what really works for us, you know, and our power phrase is um, simplicity is the key to our genius. And Mm. so we don't try to do too much. You know, we just stick with the basics because they're kids. So they can sniff you out when you're... When you're not, you know, when you're not legit, they know automatically and and they'll pounce on you. (laughs) Oh, they totally know. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so, you know, having that male and female dynamic really works Mm -hmm. for us because for my husband, all he has to do is say something one time, you know, in that man voice, whereas (laughs) I usually have to say something three or four times. So... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know that challenge yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good yin and yang oh. thing for us <laughs> yeah uh, and I love that simplicity like and kind of you know you talked about sticking to what you do well like not trying to fake it yes Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know I've I've sometimes been pushed to be more like energetic or enthusiastic than I really naturally am. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a fairly soft spoken, quiet teacher. And you know, that works. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. And then in terms of like the visual arts, how do you incorporate that? And because a lot of our audience is made up of visual artists and visual Mm -hmm. art teachers, I'm curious too about like tying those two together, incorporating music with visual art and visual art with music. Yes. So I'll give you an example of what we would do in our summer camp. Yeah. So aside from actually having a visual artist come in the room and participate with them, on the days that it's just uh, us musicians in there, what we've mm-hmm. done is there's a website and I'm sure you're familiar with it. I think it's teacher paying teachers or. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And teachers so, pay teachers. Yes. Yeah. And so getting work from, you know, the, the, the worksheets and stuff from those websites. And so I use them for there's a Cuban African singer by the name of Celia Cruz. And I fell in mm-hmm. love with her journey when they put the special on Netflix. And so I was like, I absolutely. Absolutely would like to incorporate her into the classroom. And so what we did, we had the kids watch some of her videos. We had them listening to her music while we were just kind of going throughout the day. And when we decided to have them do an art project and actually color, because uh, she wears these beautiful, glamorous gowns and, uh, you know, wigs and hats and so she's very vibrant and colorful so after after they watched mm-hmm. her perform and and you know got to see her in action then we had them draw and color her in and talk about how the music made them feel. And if any of them were, you know, familiar Mm -hmm. with Spanish, you know, we would have them, you know, interpret it and tell us what she was saying. And so that's how we, you know, intertwine the visual uh, with the music when we don't have the visual artist, you know, in the room with us. And we would Mm -hmm. do the same thing with James Brown, you know, or, or, you know, or somebody else. It works very well. It it keeps them entertained. Yeah. And I love that connection to feelings. Like we, I do a lot of talking about 
the emotions or the mood that a color can mm-hmm. create and a combination of colors, like what yeah, that absolutely. does. So yeah, that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense to connect to music. Ooh. And do you, would you be able to maybe describe your artistic work, like what what your music is yeah. and what genre it falls into or multiple genres? Uh, and yeah, it, it absolutely is multiple genres. And mm-hmm. these last couple of years, coming back home to South Carolina, I've really been in a space where because I'm back home and you know how when you're, when you're, like when you're a teenager and, and you graduate high school, most of us, the first thing we want to do is leave. <laughs> Right. You you yeah. you immediately want to get away because you think that home is the worst place, is boring. And the full circle mm. is when you get older and you realize that home is where the magic is most of the time. And you know, you, you yeah. think about the elders and, and when you can you can sit at their feet and hear their stories and you just realize all the things that you were listening to when you were younger, you know, how the, the nostalgia of everything and it and it makes it special and you realize how important it really was. And so mm-hmm. coming back home mm-hmm. is I was I'm able to capture that in my music now. You know, if, if, you know, if, if, yeah. if you can understand yeah. that. And so most of the music has, you know, it's been about home. It's been about family. It's been about my culture and the people mm-hmm. and the food. And, and so it's, it's really, I feel like I, I really came into myself, you know, as an artist once I came back home. And so, yeah. And yeah. so, and so being able to write, you know, as a songwriter, and that's one of the things I, you know, I put mm-hmm. on my vision board that I wanted to be a songwriter, not just write songs, you know, to release, but I really, I, I literally want to do that as a profession. And so coming back home mm-hmm. and, and getting that you know, authentic vibe of who I am and where I'm from, it, you know, it's put me in the position to make that goal a reality because I'm actually doing it. So I think that kind of describes yeah. me the best. I'm, I'm, I'm a recording artist who is really focusing on the songwriting, you know, at this point. Yeah. So then your, would your goal be to write songs for other people? Yes. As well as songs yes, that you absolutely, sing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of my first yeah. projects, the Technical College of the Low Country, they asked mm-hmm. us to write their alma mater. So that was pretty cool to for a first time, you know, writing for a college. And we and you know, an alma yeah. mater is gonna be there forever. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's so, like a legacy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when so when yeah. they say write the vision and make it plain, that's exactly what it means. <laughs> uh, yes. Ooh. listeners, I'm jumping in here because I have an ask of you. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate your support. I'm humbled and grateful for all the interest in this show over the past several months and for the messages I've received letting me know that this podcast has resonated with you. It has been so inspiring to hear from you. Thank you. This podcast does take time, effort, and resources to share with you every week. And I want to, I plan to, keep it going and stay focused on highlighting and inspiring artists who teach, while also continuing to grow this community 
and dreaming up additional ways to help you. One way to accomplish this is through direct listener support. Your support would really help the show and community grow. So I've set up a link where you can quickly and easily support the show. The whole thing will take less than 60 seconds. It's at anchor.fm slash teaching artist podcast slash support. You can contribute one, five or $10 per month. If teaching artist podcast is a part of your week and you love what we're doing, please consider visiting anchor.fm slash teaching artist podcast slash support, or just clicking the link in the show notes and supporting us in any way that you can today. thinking more about like I always ask visual artists about sort of the business side of Mm -hmm. art and I'm curious what that looks like for a musician and a songwriter are you selling your work how does that kind of kind of work you know the I think the magic of living in the digital age you know because Mm -hmm. you you don't have to there is no middleman anymore and so you know you can literally like what I've been doing a lot of A lot of the music, when we get a song, I will record a video of me performing it. And Mm. I've been putting out more videos than I've been actually putting out, you know, music on, you know, iTunes and and stuff like that. Because, you know, you think about it, you put your heart and your soul into something and then they're going to sell it for 99 cents. You know, so it's like it's, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not, you know, um, the incentive is not for me to put it on iTunes and, you know, stuff like that. I I do. But because you're able to have your own website, you have your own fan base. I'm also able Mm -hmm. to, you know, do a project and have people come directly to my website. Like for the song 1619, we released it. Uh, We released it everywhere, you know, iTunes and, and Spotify. But I released it through my website. And I and the price was actually sixteen dollars and nineteen cent. And oh, it was, you know, it was because it wasn't about a ninety nine cent song. I'm not who I really am. I'm a stranger to my reflection. You know what 1619 means to the world, you know, to the to American history, you know, to to black history, African history. It was much more than that. And so when you can when you have the ability to to do that on your own website, on your own platform and, you know, you can sell your merchandise and, you know, also doing the workshops. and, And so it's you have the ability to really craft your own lane and your own life, you know, as, as, you know, the, as visual artists do, you know, you sell your prints, I can sell my, you know, album artwork, which I normally create myself on a t-shirt. Right. You know, so we, we have so many options, you know, in, in 2020. So. 
Yeah. And do you feel like then anything that you do put up on like iTunes or Spotify that that's almost more like marketing rather than it is. a yeah. way to sell? I, yeah, I absolutely. That's absolutely exactly what it is. Just so mm-hmm. that because there's millions of people out there, somebody's going to find you, you know, mm-hmm. over in Brazil or somewhere, you know, and then they're going to look for more music. And so it, you know, it pays for itself, you know, so to speak, because now that we're in a digital world, okay, now that they heard my music on iTunes, they're going to go to my website and then they, now they can pay for my live stream. Right. You know, so yeah, absolutely. It's, it's for marketing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what other kind of tips would you have around that, around You know, you're talking about sort of putting yourself out there, but on your own website and selling sort of on your own. I know that feels sort of daunting for a lot of artists, like just setting it all up and then the marketing side of it. Do you have any tips around those things? I'm sure there's so much more out there than what even I know. And but because, (laughs) you know, I have I built my website in man, it was I don't even remember my uh, MySpace was up. You know, right. <laughs> back in the day. Yes, exactly. And so I've been, you know, I've been able to, you know, get a, a small fan base because, you know, the website has been out there for so long and I've been able to, you know, connect with people like everywhere I go, you know, I used to give out my card with my website on it. Yeah. And things are so digital. You don't really have to do that anymore. You can just give somebody your social media handle. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you, the, any artist, you have to be, you know, you know what's the, um, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So mm-hmm. you have to be a people person, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, cause you, you have to, and I don't like to really talk about myself, but you know, you got to do it at some point in some way or another. I don't even like to go live, but <laughs> You know, and I don't as much as I should, but at least it's there for when you, you know, when you're ready to go live and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's so much we can, you know, we can use, just find what's comfortable for you. And Mm -hmm. the one thing I I realized was I can't do everything because they were like, oh, are you on TikTok? No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the energy for TikTok. Okay. I just, (laughs) yeah. I'm not on that one either. No. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. No, no. Don't <laughs> well, try to do weird thing. things to my phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, so feel that. <laughs> yeah, just just find something that you feel like you can control, and it doesn't control you, and use that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. And then I feel like some of that is almost like building up a muscle, sort of like getting used to going live and like realizing, oh, you know, nothing, even if I stumbled over my words, like nobody cares. It's all okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You just showed them that you were a human, Mm -hmm. you know, that's it. Yeah. And then, oh, and that, that word reminds me of a project I wanted to talk with you about and hear more about um, the Black Humanities or a Ties. 
project. Yes. Yeah. Hum- that you guys are working on. Yeah, yeah. How do you say it? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the black humanities project and really focusing on the human aspect, mm-hmm. you know, of, yeah. of us, you know, and mm-hmm. we decided to do that project because, you know, when, when COVID, COVID-19 hit and the world had to be still and we saw what happened, you know, to George Foreman and we found out about Ahmaud Aubrey mm-hmm. months later and Brianna Taylor and just giving the kids, giving the parents, giving the community a space where they can just talk about how how that makes them feel, how that made them feel, how, you know, having to have a hybrid classroom or virtual and, you know, just how they're dealing with all of this stuff because we're all dealing with some kind of trauma. And mm-hmm. we were searching for a way where my husband and I were you know, as artists and as teaching artists, what could we do with, you know, through our organization? And that was the best way that we thought that we could be of service to humanity. And Mm -hmm. so what that project is going to look like, we're going to be, you know, like I said, working with students and also working with the families. And we've started just having conversations, you know, with them and also having the kids do visual art, you know, if, if that's their that's their thing. And if, and if that's a way for them to release, you know, what they're feeling and, mm-hmm. and what they're going through, you know, through a visual project and some will be music and some will be writing and poetry, you know, there will be different things. We even deal with the culinary arts. So at some point, you know, mm-hmm. we, we will also be in the kitchen because everybody loves yeah. some good collard greens. I know I do. <laughs> and yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's another thing that we deal with in our summer camp, you know, is the culinary arts, because my husband is a three time stroke survivor. So Mm -hmm. our food intake, you know, had to change drastically. And so he's vegan, I'm vegetarian, he's vegan. And so when we have camp, Mm -hmm. you know, we have rules and regulations about what the kids will be eating while they're at our camp. And, mm-hmm. you know, also having a chef come in and, you know, make this little easy vegan dishes, and vegetarian stuff that they could actually do at home. And the kids really enjoyed it. So, yeah, yeah, just just doing a little bit of making it a lifestyle and instead of of, you know, just talking about it as if it can't be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And um, getting them to understand that if if they can start while they're young and continue and just have a a healthier lifestyle by starting, you know, at a young age. Yeah, yeah, and seeing that it can still be delicious. It, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I um, kind of coming back to the Black Humanities Project, I pronounced it, I was like reading it. And I love that there's the word tie in there is also like, I feel like it's you're tying things together, you're connect, you're making connections. Yes, absolutely. Um, So that human is emphasized, but Mm -hmm. so is this like connection. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, the end result or not the end result, but one of the results or the takeaways we want is because we're going to be filming um, these projects. And mm-hmm. the goal is to actually have the kids um, do the filming and do the interviewing at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working, uh, we'll be, we're writing some grants to actually get the equipment, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to have the equipment for the kids to to work on and, you know, just 
have the images out there where people see us as human, you know, see the humanity in us that is also in themselves. And Mm -hmm. because I've, you know, representation and having the the representation of us and having empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, if people can can have more empathy, you know, not just for a black body, but just for the human race. You know, if you can just begin Mm -hmm. to, to do it for the human race and just understand that's what the humanity is. I put the word black in it because, you know, we're the ones that are most targeted. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody can can tap into their own humanity and see, okay, I can actually, I may not be the best human being right now, but I can do better. I need to do better. And hopefully that will that will be the takeaway for a vast majority, you know, of the people. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. And just the idea of offering a space to talk about yeah. these issues that are so often not talked about. They're like too scary to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And it's so interesting because one of the parents that we have interviewed already, she's never had the conversations with her kids, but the kids already know about it. You know, they're they're talking about it. And mom is is shocked because, you know, a lot of times we don't have conversations, the the conversations that we should have with our children, they're having with somebody else. And so it's like, this also gives them the opportunity to see that they might be little people, but they have feelings and, you know, they care and they worry and Mm -hmm. they're dealing with stuff just like we as adults are dealing with, Mm -hmm. you know? So even the family is is learning themselves, you know, within these sessions. So it's, it's, it's just good all the way around. And kids are so aware. Yes, they absolutely are. Yeah. They're so aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I have a five-year-old and we've been trying to talk with her and (laughs) there's so many like kind of funny, awkward moments. And they keep it simple, you know, you know, we make it difficult, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they, I feel like those conversations with kids also help us like bring it back. Like, oh yeah, you're right. It makes no sense. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So then I'm also curious about whether you like I know you're having conversations about racism in that project. Mm -hmm. Does is it something that comes up in other like teaching situations and or do you, you know, bring it up? Do you have those conversations um, when you're teaching in general? They do. And but we let them bring it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's usually, it's, it's never anything that we talk about. They, they are so inquisitive, you know, mm-hmm. man, some of the things they'll ask you, uh, but we wait, we wait for them to ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then how do you, I guess, what would your sort of advice be for having those like candid conversations? <sighs> you know, my husband is really like, that's his lane. <laughs> I yeah. use I usually oh. look like a deer with the headlights. <laughs> but <laughs> I usually find my way out of that maze, but <laughs> he's so good. He's so good, you know, with them and, and mm-hmm. having those conversations because that's of course he you know, that's what he does. He uh yeah. works, you know, within the the school system and I mean he work he used to work with a private organization, but he's the he's the person that goes into the classroom and you know, with the children that have the they call them behavioral issues. But he sits in the classroom mm-hmm. with them. He actually uh, works with the family unit to help them, you know, get things 
things in the home, you know, that benefits the entire family. So that's his lane. So he's really, really mm-hmm. good at having conversations, not just with the children, but with the, the family unit, with the parents, with the administrators, the teachers. So I usually let him handle that. I'll fumble my way yeah. through it, but you know, <laughs> he's a professional in that area. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like I'm always a little bit fumbling my way through it as well, even with my own, obviously with my own daughter as well. (laughs) I'm like, I don't, I don't get it either, kid. (laughs) Exactly. And then I'm curious if there's any, are there any other songs? Like you mentioned the 1619 song, which is incredible. Are there any other songs that maybe we could share little clips of that you'd want to talk about? Yes. So Collar Green Crown Mm. is, um, that's one of my favorites. It came from a painting, actually. Mm. There's an artist by the name of uh, Natalie Days. And Natalie Days was actually, uh, she's an actress as well. And she used to have, she and her husband did a show on Nick Jr. TV called Gullah Gullah Island. Oh, cool. So you can actually, you can watch that on YouTube now. It's called Gullah Gullah Island. And so, but she has, as a visual artist, she has a series, it's called the Collard Series. And so everybody in the series has collard greens, you know, in some way or another. I wear a lot of head wraps. And so Mm -hmm. mine is, I have a a head wrap made out of collard greens in the painting. Mm -hmm. And she had reached out to me on Facebook and said, because uh, we're friends, we know each other. And she yeah. said, um, I'd like you to be my muse, Mahogany. And uh, I was uh-huh. like, okay. Absolutely. I have no problem with that. And once I got the painting, my husband, who was in the back room working on some music, and so the music was playing, I'm looking at the painting. And so the words, collar green crown, you know, just came to me. So there's actually a song out there called Collar Green Crown that you can uh, listen to on all streaming platforms. And I wrote the song. So it talks about food and cooking and mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, I mean, it's about people, but it's written in the context of food. So Ooh. yeah, it's one of my favorites. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to go listen to that. Your colorful laughter is food to my soul. Your essence is so necessary for me to grow. And then I love how that also ties back to what you were talking about with teaching about food, teaching the culinary arts and yes. just how food can be such a connector. Exactly. And usually we'll have that painting uh, in the classroom and the kids love it. And so, you know, that starts a conversation and, you know, we can talk about food and, and family and being around the kitchen table. And uh, it just, it leads in a whole lot of cool, you know, directions. And mm-hmm. So 
that's another way of of, ta- of tying in the visual art as well. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And to, just to share your experience too of being inspired by that painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the students can see that connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Are there any other songs you would want to share? Let's, well, you know what? We're working on some uh, new music now mm-hmm. that I'm not even going to say a date, but we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like always stuff in the works. <laughs> yes. But on my website, there are several videos of, you know, live performances of songs mm-hmm. that you can check out. So, yeah. Collard Green Crown. It, yeah. It's actually when you go to my website, you can actually listen to it on the website. Yeah. And purchase it. Oh, awesome. And download yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So I will link to everything. I have a few sort of like just fun, get to more like get to know you questions. Okay. So one really big, broad question. What are you curious about right now? Ah, uh, what am I curious about right now? Like, when can we travel the world yeah. again as tourists? Mm. Can we have yeah. that happen like soon? <laughs> you know, yes. I'm ready to go back to Cuba, you know, Belize or somewhere, you know. So it's like, mm. can we can we fix that, please? And thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You get know, this vaccine working. Get it out. Yeah. Okay. Another fun one that I feel like you'll have a lot to, a lot to share about food. So what's your sort of go-to meal? Hmm. So I have something new that I'm, I'm ready to try again, you know, and being vegan and vegetarian, we, we love, you know, vegetable stir fries and Mm -hmm. also spinach wraps. But so I saw this recipe a week or so ago and it was, it was cabbage steaks, right? So you take the cabbage and you cut it in like, you know, little one inch pieces and you season it with whatever your spices are. And, you know, if you cut up a cabbage, you'll get like six slices out of it. But I did a purple cabbage Mm -hmm. and it not only was it just beautiful because it's purple (laughs) you know there's the artist in me but it was oh my god it was so delicious and then we did a a stir fry with some some of the purple cabbage and you know the bell peppers and onions Mm. and uh and it was also beautiful because it had all these vibrant colors in it yeah I want to do that again soon because it was it was just nice to look at, but it was just really, really good. Mm. That might be my new thing. Yeah, do that and then share share some photos. <laughs> I do. I have I have some on my on my Instagram page. Oh, um, I have to go look. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to make me hungry. <laughs> oh. And I always like to give you space also to thank anyone or give a shout out to someone who's supported you. I would like to give a shout out, of course, to my mm-hmm. husband, my music, my music producer, my pull me off the ledge person, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, pull me back in the car, you know, when I'm getting out of my lane. <laughs> Absolutely want to send a shout out to him. But you know what? This year I've I've had a lot of new people, you know, tap into my music and tap into mm-hmm. my artistry. And so I feel like at some point they'll listen to them. So I want to say thank you to all the new listeners and mm-hmm. also to the people that have just kind of, you know, been with me from the beginning. You know, a lot of my family and friends. Thank you to everybody, because this year there was a lot of growth, mm-hmm. you know, in my artistry. So a lot of people were there to 
you know, to witness it and say thank you and we want more, we want to hear more, you know, which was really cool. You know, that 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 kind of stuff keeps you going. Yeah. So Yeah, that's so amazing. Yeah. And to people like you, you know, to platforms like this, you know, thank you to you guys for creating, you know, the the cool stuff for us artists to to get on and be long-winded about <laughs> our artistry. Yeah, no, I love hearing it. It's I feel like this just this every time I finish a conversation on here, I'm like ready to go back into the studio and make some work. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and last thing, where can listeners connect with you online? So listeners can connect with me at my website, which is uh, mahogany.com, M-A-H-O-G-A-N-E-E.com. And uh, everything's there. You know, our nonprofit, my social media, our studio, just everything is on the website. Awesome. Yeah. And I will link to that and I'll put, I'll include some links to like the specific songs you've mentioned too. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mahogany. This was amazing. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or teachingartistpodcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.